Unless I haven't been paying attention, man, the moon doesn't look normal. You keep the pressure on, correct? We stay until we win, is that right? At the moment, you're under arrest for incitement. Have you guys been following me? We're winning, folks. Okay, we're winning. We're pushing back the dark. You ask simply two questions to find a filthy Freemason de Molay. Where did you go to school? Which primary school? Which high school? And who's your daddy? Hello and welcome back to Tinfoil Tales. I'm Sauce. And I'm Sandy. We hope you enjoyed the first episode uh, where we took a look at that missing money from Epic and also the quiet movement behind the freedom movement, the Australia Project. In this week's episode, we're going to talk about a trend we have noticed about the influences in this movement. We will take a look at the election you might not have heard about, and Sauce is going to do a quick Canberra catch-up for us. Also, we have a new segment. We're going to share a random tinfoil tale that we have witnessed over the past couple of years that stood out for us and talk about it. Might be an opportunity to bring something out of the vault from a long time ago. I mean, a lot has happened and I know that I have a lot of weird shit to share. But first, Soz, there's been a change in government since our last episode. Thank God that that election campaign's over and that we've got a new PM. And I've got to say, as a proud Victorian, how good is it that Josh got the boot? Yes. (laughs) But we aren't done talking about it just yet. With a few of the Freedom candidates getting a little bit upset because, well, obviously, this is a stolen election, right? After all, we've just had the 2000 Mules documentary come out recently. You know, the one about how the American 2020 election was rigged. So... If it's happened to Trump, well, of course, it's happened over here too, right? I was a bit nervous last week when it looked like UAP candidate might get up for the last Senate seat in Victoria. Me too. But what I was really annoyed about was we didn't get a good look at his socials before he erased everything and turned them all to private. Although he's put them back up this week. And oh. <laughs> he's not disappointing in terms of the content that he started to share again. Oh, dear. So, yeah, this is uh, Ralph Babbitt that we're talking about. And uh, I hear he isn't quite really that cool. <laughs> but there are a few issues our freedom candidates aren't too happy about. The first is the issuing of the writs. There's lots of questions around who signed the writs and who witnessed them. Why wasn't the grand seal of the Commonwealth on it? And why weren't they displayed at every polling station? This one is certainly the focus of both Darren from Dunkley, who said that he's going to VCAT for some reason, um, and getting the assistance of the Australia Project, of course, and Rod Cullerson, who's just being his usual self and has actually now received an email from the AEC telling him to stop harassing their staff or he's going to get reported to the to the police, apparently. Uh, but then we've got the issue with the grouped independents above the line that didn't have a logo, which is a little bit weird because if you're an independent, I don't know if you actually have a logo, and they're missing names. So it did lead to a bit of confusion amongst AEC staff, and unfortunately all of that has been captured on video. So they are certainly sharing it far and wide. Uh, This one is being spearheaded by Steve and Beck up in Queensland. And a quick shout out to at Celery Sorbet on Twitter for reminding us all of Steve's past with One Nation. Ah, yeah, the secret meeting with the US gun lobby group, wasn't it? And according to Steve and Beck, 
They're taking it all the way, apparently having reported this to the Australian Federal Police, live streaming themselves outside the AFP the day before the election. Oh, and of course, they're planning some more court action. But the biggest news is that they want a new election. It's all too much. But we'll keep an eye on it over the coming weeks and let you know well in advance if we are in fact heading back to the polls. Okay, let's jump into a bit of a trend that Sauce noticed early on, which continues to make us laugh as it has become a little bit predictable. Way back at the start of the movement in Melbourne, I did spend a little bit of time looking at Monica. Back then, though, it was actually from more of a political interest point of view. And I noticed that she posted her audition tape for Survivor. So obviously she wasn't successful, but she did say that she likes attention, which didn't surprise any of us. And she subsequently went on to create her own reality TV show starring herself when the pandemic hit. She's also had a lot of different sales jobs, but she did spend some time working in real estate. Hmm, real estate and acting. It's uncanny how often this comes up. Even recently, Tammy Jane came out and said she was a real estate agent prior to the pandemic. Like, come on. (laughs) It might surprise people to know that Monica's betrothed, Morgan Jonas, was in a martial arts movie called Covert Operation back in 2014 and was also a fight promoter. One of the true OGs of the movement, made famous by smashing his TV, well, it actually wasn't a TV, it was a computer screen, Thanos Panayides, and his family were on the cooking reality TV show Family Food Fight. I'd actually never heard of that one. But uh, his buddy Rafael Fernandez was a YouTuber. And looking back at his old ones, he looks so sweet, young and innocent. He does, doesn't he? That's what I always <laughs> think when I go back and look at Rafael. I think, what happened to you? And now he's living on a farm and like growing <laughs> veggies and stuff. <laughs> Which I actually kind of like that direction that he's going in. But um, look, we've also got Michael Gray Griffith, who founded the Wolves Theatre Company but has taken the opportunity to let his artistic inner self out by poetically documenting his journey as some kind of, I don't know, bohemian guru who is currently travelling all around Australia complaining about his lack of freedoms. (laughs) (laughs) He is only one half of Cafe Lockdown. The other is Damien Richardson, beloved neighbour star and political aspirant who spends an awful lot of time online bemoaning the plight of Western white men. I mean, I know the arts industry took a hit during the pandemic with little support from the government, but is this really what they want to pivot to, to become an influencer and do live action role plays? Yeah, last week we spoke about um, Kathy from Finance. She was the one that was talking all that crazy stuff about the flooding and the camps with the gas pipes leading to them. Well, she was actually an actress and a real estate agent in her previous life. So double whammy, just like Monica. Another Melbourne OG of the movement who I did take a look at the other day and I don't know what he's doing with his hair, Jeff O'Toole. (laughs) known for harassing people at vaccination centres all over Melbourne, is actually an aspiring actor who was pretty stoked to be in a 4 and 20 pie ad last year. Oh, well done. (laughs) The recently um, discovered Brenda Aggie, she's a new one. She's the Victorian coordinator of the parallel election, which we will be talking about later. But she has a decades-long history in Australian TV, having featured in Neighbours and Blue Healers, and she's founded a theatre company also, kind of like Michael Griffith. Rebecca Lloyd, who we spoke about earlier from Fair Business Australia, performed in the theatre. Lucia from The Lawn at Parliament House, known for iconic statements like, these sausages are vegan, and 11. 
and also for asking the police to return her $200 snakeskin sandals that she bought in Dubai, has an amateur acting background. Kaz from Guru's Nightly Live directed a movie. And don't forget Craig Cole, he's a wrestler. That's all performance. And thanks to Tally Hose on Twitter, we can now add current Canberra streamer Sideshow to the list. We've been trying to find Sideshow for a little while, so you thank you, Tally Hose. He actually has a massive back catalogue of material as a dancer, an actor, a cameraman, a producer. Yeah, he was a good one. And then, of course, uh, the, who we were talking about earlier, uh, Ralph Babette, the UAP Senate candidate, real estate agent. And finally, the Ruth Bader Ginsburg of the movement, Jackie Dundee. I know this will come as a huge surprise. She is not actually a constitutional lawyer. She's a real estate agent. (laughs) Fancy that. (laughs) While this isn't the case for all of them, and there are certainly other factors that play into why people gravitate towards this movement, it does further cement the fact that much of it has been fueled by performative art and is fundamentally about clicks and engagement for the majority of them. Yeah, so while we have seen many of their followers lose their jobs at their bidding, you know, hold the line, let them fire you kind of stuff, they're sitting high and mighty, gaining work and a job for themselves and are putting themselves at the forefront of this movement calling the shots, which just feels so unethical because these followers are being told they are standing in their truth and being honourable, pure and all that jazz, but losing everything with no recourse for losses they incur for following these guys. These influencers are people who have often failed in their chosen line of work, who have no expertise in public health, no understanding of broader societal issues, who didn't even know how to vote prior to this election, yet they have been able to create relevance for themselves here. Make no mistake about it. They will do everything in their power to ensure they hold on to their positions here, which is why we see them talking about woke agendas and pivoting to the anti-climate change narrative and whatever politics comes in from America after that. Whatever the thing is, this is no longer about COVID and the vaccines. These influencers don't want to lose these new jobs that they have created for themselves. It's really as simple as that. Yeah. The performance, the marketing hype and the sales techniques, they're all at play here. And what's the product they're selling? It's hopium because they've never really achieved anything. Just stay positive, right? Good always prevails. Yeah. But Sandy, it's time to talk about the election. Not the one that just happened. The one that's currently being planned in numerous Zoom calls all around Australia. Oh my God, here we go. There's a growing movement in Australia focused on removing this corporate government. Some are into common law, some are into LORE, some consider themselves sovereign. They tend to be a little older, a little bit more white, day I say, a little bit more Aussie. We're not going to try and explain the difference between their beliefs. Jack and Joel, with the help of Rob Sudi, have done an amazing piece of work on this already. And Tom Tanuki has a couple of great videos on this subject too. But we will explain why it matters at the moment with the upcoming parallel election and how it's infected the Australian freedom movement specifically. So as an observer of the Australian freedom movement, the first time sovereign citizens and common law came to my attention was through Doris Durai Osmond, also known as Be Free With D, who at the time was running the New South Wales branch of Reignite Democracy Australia. She's the one who allegedly bit a restaurant owner during a scuffle over refusing to check in at a restaurant in Sydney and then later on ran off with the tribal sovereigns at Old Parliament House. She would do these videos that sounded incoherent. And I used to think, 
what is wrong with this girl? But realised later on, she made no sense because she was speaking sovereign citizen lingo. I recall one video that uh, she wanted to show us how we were owned by US bonds. And she directed us to this random investment website where you had to put into the search field your birth certificate number, and then you hit search and the US bonds listings, they were your bonds. But what happened was when you hit the search button, she, it was the incorrect search button. <laughs> so yeah, so it didn't matter what you put into that search field, even if you left nothing, put nothing in there, same results would come up. And I tried to, I remember actually being in the comment sections, like telling people this, I'm like, you, you've got it wrong. It's wrong. And no, no one was going to listen to me at all. So whatever. So Doris led a group of Magna Carta sovereign citizens to sign oaths under the Magna Carta and announced that they intended to seize government buildings. So inside Telegram, there were messages from people um, asking others to meet up in real life so they could witness each other's signatures. This was around August last year and was very hyped up at the time. I have to make mention here of um, Doris's mentor, Jackie Phoenix of Practical Lawful Descent, who was attempting to do this in London at the same time. And she was actually quite amazing. Um, She rocked up to these buildings in London and she had this like Crocodile Dundee leather hat, um, styled hat, and a staff, and the staff had a crystal ball on top, like crystals on it. I will actually post a picture of her in the Conditional Release Program podcast shit posting Facebook group, um, as she's actually quite a sight to see. I was actually looking into her today um, to see what actually she was up to, and I've got some sad news. Uh, so she's actually left the movement. Um, she's given it up. She's citing some health issues, but I wanted to just read out her um, little farewell message here that she's left everybody. And this was recent. This was May 26th, so only a week ago. She goes here, I didn't know what I had to do in life, but I knew from the get-go that my life did not belong to me. My maker was keeping me alive to serve humanity, and one day I would be called to service. Article 61 and fighting for your freedom was my call to serve humanity. I did try to save you. I gave it my all overcoming my own fears to serve humanity, overcoming every obstacle thrown my way. Yet here we are, the UN implementing full control and I'm dying once again. A phoenix has to die in order to rise from the ashes. I can't outrun death forever. My heart is failing fast on multiple levels. So this is my goodbye to you all. Remember, I love you all, even those who have done me wrong. I forgive you and I pray for you that one day you see the truth of Jackie Phoenix Robinson. Stay focused and for God's sake, seize those buildings. It's your only hope. Phoenix out. Wow. Yeah, it's a bit sad, hey? Wow. (laughs) So needless to say, buildings were not seized and both Phoenix and Dee disappeared for a couple of months with Doris hiding away up north to get away from the stress of everything. She reappeared when the sovereigns were attempting to take over the old parliament house, joining Camp Muckadar and live streaming the action from over there at the time. My first exposure to the soft-sit stuff was Eve Black. Remember, she ran that gauntlet at the the Ring of Steel and she had someone filming her and she had a little script and 
I just remember she was so happy when she got through um, and instantly became a hero, even did a talk at Nick Banjo Patterson's gym one night out in Packy. But we have noticed the common law theme becoming more and more prevalent as the movement exhausted other avenues and the remaining hardcore freedom fighters got a little bit more creative. There was an attempt fairly early on to set up a parallel police force, but that ended when the lead conspirator ordered some fake federal police badges and ran an open Zoom call where some pretty direct threats were made. Needless to say, that matter is currently before the courts. But that wasn't the end of the attempts to overthrow governments and police stations by these sovereign citizen groups. Kent Brown of the Australia Project was filmed presenting a similar scenario to a group of what appears to be freedom fighters in Queensland. We watched Lynn Bennett's from Velvet Revolution parade around Melbourne and stick bits of papers up on doors of court buildings, Parliament House, even the Governor's Place. Up in Sydney, Steve Sukkar and Jackie from Rise Up were planning on arresting politicians and public servants in Sydney, only to be stumped by the police standing out the front of the gates of Parliament. Lots of arrest notices have been handed out. We've got people wearing sheriff polo shirts, even shiny sheriff badges. But we're still waiting. Apparently all these arrests are still imminent. But in February this year, at the Convoy to Canberra event, Mac and Graham Hood seized the opportunity to have a large crowd of freedom fighters converge in front of the old Parliament House. Remember remember that one? Yeah. Where Graham Hood read out a proclamation to the crowd. This proclamation, written by Rod Cullerton, stated that the current government from 1973 is fraudulent and declaring all laws from 1973 onwards unlawful without a constitution and declaring the government from 1973 was actually switched to a corporation instead. We have a corrupt system of government. We have a government which has been, in the opinion of many learned legalists, We have a government that has been acting illegally since 1973. We have a government that has usurped its responsibility to its people in order to support corporations. In common law circles, this is referred to as the abandoned government in 1973, which is where the parallel election comes into play. So the fact that the changing of the seals in 1973 has already been challenged in court and found to actually be lawful, just doesn't matter to them. In their eyes, the government and all the positions within it, including the upper and lower house, including old parliament house itself, were abandoned, which means they can be reclaimed. So Commonwealth Earth and Commonwealth Custodians are two groups in the Sovsit space, and they are currently looking to fill the abandoned positions of the government and govern themselves. This explains the interest in old parliament house recently and people's desire to take it over and claim it back. This was attempted unsuccessfully by the Makata Group back in December last year, which ended in the doors being burnt and unrest between these sovereigns and the Aboriginal tent embassy. Within this abandoned parliament, some have volunteered themselves to certain positions, but they need elected politicians to fill the political seats of both houses and are therefore putting the call out to the freedom movement for caretakers for each seat. And then to find candidates, have an election, and elect their new government, who will then make decisions on their behalf, you know, a we-the-people government, the type of government we talked about in last episode where they plan to put all those people on trial for crimes against humanity. (laughs) And somehow this is supposed to work alongside the Trillionsworths' house of lore, although they plan to have their own form of government, their own passports, even their own police force. 
So it's not super clear how this will work, but Buddy and Lumpa are insistent that somehow we can all step into sovereignty and then we can just travel around Australia with some kind of diplomatic immunity. Yeah. Anyway, they originally planned to have their parallel election at the same time as our Australian federal election. Mike Holt even went as far as to say that he would demand the AEC provide alternative ballots and boxes to facilitate his parallel election at the polling booths. So instead of receiving two papers, we would receive four and then we could choose to vote in the election or the parallel election. Mike said, that if the AEC refuse to cooperate, he'll just see them in court. <laughs> but, but it appears they were unable to get this set up and find the candidates in time and have decided the election can take place at any given date, giving themselves the rest of the year to get it done. This is good news, as uh, we felt the election was already set up to be a circus without Mike Holt's merry band of sovereign men and women playing up at the polling booths. Currently, Brenda Aggie, who we mentioned earlier, is working alongside Lynn Bennett, and they are doing some recruiting and promoting of this parallel election to try and get caretakers for these imaginary seats and then eventually candidates to start to stand in the election. They need a lot of people, though. There's a lot of seats that don't have any caretakers yet. There's been quite a lot of promotion on the parallel election, particularly in the last two or three weeks. Johnny Catone and Johnny Q are covering it extensively. Johnny Q has joined them as a state coordinator for South Australia, God help South Australia, and Guru and Kaz have now jumped on the bandwagon too. Yeah, so they have a website up that requires a paid subscription to access. So, all right, just for you guys, I paid 10 bucks of my hard-earned, actually worked-for money for one month subscription so I could have a snoop. What we can tell you is that they have over 700 active members paying the $10 subscription, which is actually pretty decent. This parallel election is making them quite a decent amount of bank. There's videos and advice to unincorporate yourself from the system, which basically means you're just playing around with the government websites. There was one moment there where I was a bit worried because it said if you submit false information, you could cop a $12,000 fine and then you go ahead and all they do is put false information into it. So I'm a little bit concerned about that, but I guess I'll just ignore those fines too if they got those. There's a compendium and other made-up documents and groups where people are constantly asking for advice. It turns out, you know, pretending to leave the system is actually quite complex. But honestly, I wouldn't waste your money. It's adults playing pretend in a made-up reality with real-world consequences, so I do not recommend. That is a one we're definitely going to have to keep an eye on to see how it turns out. Either way, it's going to be funny. The funniest part right now is just how many Sovset experts are actually trying to get their fair share of the pie and how much they are irritating Stephen Spears, who is the real king of Australia. He is furious. He had disabled his Rumble account two weeks ago, and now he's back to posting every single day. Uh, his main beef is that they're actually stealing his work and claiming it as, as their own. So before we move on to our uh, last segment, Soz, care to update us on what is happening with the Canberra crew? Okay, there have been a couple of interesting things that have happened since our last episode. First was a little bit of a confrontation in the car park between Tony Ant and the lawn protesters. So this all related to a Facebook post that, that Tony had put up. So there was a little bit of a run-in at the GGs one morning. Donna and Grant, if you don't know who Donna and Grant are, Donna is Deeds and Titles. Uh, Grant is another one of the cops up there who actually is like the liaison 
for them. Well, Grant had had enough of drummer Dan, who was drumming and drumming and drumming in his ear. Uh, So Grant put his hands on the drumsticks. Dan flicked his hands up, knocked Grant's glasses off, uh, and Dan was then arrested. So Tony Ant made the mistake of kind of breaking with the script and saying that Dan had assaulted the police officer and the police officer hadn't assaulted Dan. They really didn't take it very well. <laughs> they had a little bit of a face-off with him. He he did hightail it out of there pretty quick with obviously Sheeds and Hot Pursuit. But the funniest moment was right after that, where they were all standing in the middle of the car park, agreeing with each other that that did, wasn't a good look. So we're not going to share it on social media. So no one share it on social media. And then a little voice piped up with, we're live streaming it over there though. <laughs> And it was just, it was a very, very funny moment. And they they quickly turned the stream off. Then they turned the stream back on and spoke about it again and realized that the stream was running again and then turned it back off. It was very funny. They live stream everything. You'd think that they would have known better. Actually, the, the sad thing is that it did actually teach them a lesson. They do mute the live streams a lot more currently, oh. which is really quite annoying. Damn. Um, there've been a lot of court appearances, lots of yelling freedom when people come out of the courts, lots of clapping. Um, they then talk about their soft sip magic words. I don't consent. What they fail to do though, is actually tell everyone what the actual outcome was. So they look in the camera, they tell them they won, everyone claps, but then right at the end, they'll tell us when their next court date is or what their bail conditions are. So I don't quite get how it's freedom when you've actually consented to the bail conditions and you actually do need to go back to court. But hey, they're winning. (laughs) But in major news, and this is a huge hat tip to Slack Bastard on Twitter here, we now know that one of the protesters that we have been a little bit interested in is actually none other than JC Stewart or Negan, as he actually prefers to be known, who he's actually the son of Tim Stewart, who is one of Australia's highest profile Q aficionados, close friend of Scott Morrison, reported by his family to be a major security risk. So yeah, so that obviously makes things a little bit more interesting up there on the lawn because it's like having royalty. That's huge. Yeah. Mm. And now it's time for our new segment, Tale of the Week, where we will each give a highlight of something we have seen or a funny story from the past or just something that has made us raise our eyebrows or shake our heads. I'll go first. Just so we all know, Sandy sent me a document and I'm actually looking at this for the first time with all of you guys. Danny, a deep question. Do we need to fight the occult system with the system? Yes, I fight. I'm part of a team that fights the occult system. Yes. That's why I was brought into the Trump circle, if you want to call it that. I wasn't in his inner circle, right? Outer circle. Um, But I had a say in certain things because Trump and his people had no idea about the occult that they were dealing they didn't even know it existed right and then suddenly they find out all this shit uh what they're doing you know and he was like oh what the fuck we need someone to explain it to us and to me that was my job to uh you know in their words in plain english tell them plain english what what's going on you know with the child sacrifice with the satanic worship all that shit the whole the freemasons all of it so that was my job in that team uh, was to explain the occult side of stuff and that's what I did and it was very successful so from that I'm not claiming credit for it but I'm saying eventually you know in a roundabout way it led to 
the pedo hunting teams that Trump put together out of his own money to hunt down the pedophiles and stuff like that, right? In a very, in a roundabout way, it led to that. Not directly, but, you know, anyway. Uh, yeah, so there definitely is teams, as we speak, working on multiple levels. So they're working on political, financial, spiritual, or occult, um, right? And social, um, social engineering, basically, right? There's many levels. Trump didn't know about it until 2015 when he was showing the movie Sicaro, I think it's called, which shows the human trafficking of the Mexican border. That's what convinced him. Leading up to that, Trump didn't know fuck all about any of this, trust me. Um, so, yeah, it was about 18 months to a year before he got elected. So I could have uh, gone into the vault and found an older one for you guys, but this is too good. I just had to show you. Um, this was done a few weeks ago, so it's quite recent. Um, so this is Danny Searle during a live uh, Q&A that he was having with his audience and he was talking about he was somewhat of an advisor to Trump. So, um, look, Danny is an odd one. He's very intelligent man. His claim to fame in the movement is that he is a very talented researcher and strategist, the intellectual behind it all. He says he's ex-military, so he has many connections with people in very high places who feed him exclusive top-secret intel. He's busy researching and then his gig is to basically put his research and special knowledge into plain English to pass along to the truthers about what's really happening in the world so they can then go and wake people up. But he also talks a lot of shit, right? Oh, um, Sandy, I've never seen that before. Like that, that, like the, the build-up, I mean, I wish you guys could have seen my reaction when he actually said like he was like in Trump's inner, I mean, I have heard Danny say some absolute shit, but that, that, that was possibly the best thing he's ever said yeah and like um I want to kind of know I'm always been curious like who is he talking to really he recently acknowledged that his um research into what he believes is happening in the world right now has taken him away from his actual paid work so for work he was actually like a spiritual advisor sorry spiritual counselor he authored some books and used to do talks about spirituality and demons and all of that but right now he's just given everything up. He's just sitting there, just researching all day long. I want to say that he talks to, I don't know, voices <laughs> in his own head maybe. I'm not sure. I'm not I, sure, but that, that was wild. And now now I feel that I haven't come prepared enough to <laughs> with with mine. Mine mine relates to our friend, my my friend in New Zealand who yeah. You know, she's fascinating me at the moment. Like, I don't know where we're going to land. I don't know what the next thing is. Right. You know, is it buildings? Is it Freemason demolays? Is it standing in front of the governor's place? I don't know what it is. But she did make a big mistake a few weeks ago or maybe a couple of months ago now where she started visiting cemeteries and taking like weird videos of people's graves. And just by looking at the graves, she could tell that they were a Freemason demolay. This has <laughs> resulted in hundreds of photos being sent to her that she posts on her Telegram page of random people in random cemeteries all around Australia filming other people's graves and calling them Freemasons. Oh, my God. <laughs> but there is, there is a rainbow. Kaz is now thinking about doing guided tours. And I am <laughs> telling you now, if she starts doing guided tours, I am flying to New Zealand and I am doing a guided tour 
with cars. <laughs> okay, I'm I coming will with happily you. walk up and down streets in Wellington for hours <laughs> on end while she tells me about buildings and colours and pyramids and circles and shapes yeah <laughs> can you imagine what it would be like doing a tour with Kaz I'd be in on that yeah absolutely I'd fly to New Zealand just for that too that would be wild <laughs> imagine imagine so that 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 did you know that did make me laugh this week because she's um she's Kaz that's I think all you can say about her yeah okay she's great though but that's it guys that's it for this episode of tinfoil tales we have added the full speech that hoodie did of that rod cullerton proclamation at the end if you want to stick around and and have a listen we will apologize joel's going to do his best but the sound quality in the end might not be terrific yeah thanks for listening guys um we can be found on twitter at sunny sandy l and sos149 uh chuck us a comment if you want um us to take a look at something for an upcoming episode and um yeah we look forward to sharing more of the weird tinfoil stuff next time bye bye We have a corrupt system of government. We have a government which has been, in the opinion of many, learned legalists. We have a government that has been acting illegally since 1973. We have a government that has usurped its responsibility to its people in order to support corporations. Now, in the last five years, a team of dedicated corporate lawyers and passionate librarians and a few passionate ex-politicians have been researching what's going on in the country and what's legal and what isn't. Now, some of these are not here today because this is not a political event. They're watching from a distance. And I'm not recommending anybody in politics to anybody else because I don't believe the system works. But this much I'll say to you, you have to give credit for a job well done to someone who did it. And I pay credit to former Senator Rod Cullerton for the work that he did. I do not endorse GAP. I do not endorse any party. I really want you as my family, as we are all family, to do your due diligence and make sure you put the people in there that you want there. We love you, Eddie! Thank you. Now, why are we doing this today? Why are we doing this particular procedure today? There's been a lot of confusion about it. This is a very generic, very organic gathering of people. This is Australia coming together the way Australia does. Often disorganised, often a shambles, but we always win. So this document, in conjunction with a notice, with a notice delivered to the Governor-General and received by the Governor-General, who acknowledged it about 10 days ago, is going to open this government wide open. Things are starting to happen already. Notices have been served in various government institutions and corporate institutions around Australia by dedicated people. Your rights are being restored. 
So now I want to read to you a proclamation that is going to put the wind right up those people who work in that big satanic building up the top of the hill. So please maintain your silence because this is a historic day. The 5th of October 2022 will be a day that will be re remembered fondly in history. February. February, sorry. I've been on the road for seven months. I don't even know what name I am. Okay. Living the dream. This comes from the desk of former Federal Senator for Western Australia, Rodney N. Culleton. I need to read that to make this official. Landmark Parliament of the Commonwealth. An event occurred on this continent at the closing of the 19th century that was unprecedented in the history of mankind and set in stone by the Crown to place Her Majesty's subjects in power over and above the government, for which right we are, we are entitled to call upon and enjoy today. In other words, you have the right. Our position of authority over government is still law today. Listen to these words. Our position of authority over government is still law today. The authority of the people has been expressed in law for well over a century under the legal name of the Commonwealth of Australia. Whereas the people of Australia have made this pilgrimage to Canberra, God bless you, and gathered at this Commonwealth Parliament building to recognise and claim our right of sovereignty, and to this end, call upon the paramount duty of the Crown to all of us. This icon building of the Commonwealth Parliament carries the public notice by which manner the purpose of government is to be carried out as does a flag upon a ship indicate by which authority it sails the seas, hence the red ensigns. This authority in and over the Commonwealth for everyone to see is the Crown of the United Kingdom by the display of the Royal Coat of Arms, and here we can see by which affairs of the Commonwealth is carried out, and that is the authority that our foundation law requires. If we inspect the current building of Parliament across the pond, that one, we notice a display of the Crown Authority for the Commonwealth is nowhere to be seen. I'm talking about the new Parliament House. The Crown is not on the coat of arms, and this is significant. There is no Crown Authority on display at the venue. It's the first indication that the business of Commonwealth does not occur there so we must ask, must ask, what business does the venue of Parliament concern itself with if not the Commonwealth of the people? Who are you serving? And the answer to that simply, the business of the Parliament of Australia in contradistinction to that of the Parliament of the Commonwealth, which is you the people. And to be sure that there is further indication of this departure from the Commonwealth, the name under which the executive is known is not the Commonwealth Government, but instead the Australian Government. 
All of this is taken to be authorised under the authority of the Australian Government and not the Crown, and that is illegal. Neither of these current practices has been allowed by our Constitution, for which authority is required to be under the Crown. There exists no Constitution for the Parliament of Australia or the Australian Government. We don't have a Constitution and we don't have a Bill of Rights. Isn't that obvious? That, sorry, we've gone there further. <laughs> okay, that building across the bottom, we've done that. We gather in acknowledgement of the venue for Commonwealth lawmaking and in protest of the current practice of a government without our authority. And that is to conduct all government business under the Crown. Our standard of law for which Her Majesty, as Queen of the United Kingdom, swore in 1953 to rule and to serve the people of Australia. And we call upon the renewal of that duty for the Commonwealth. The current Australian Government has records that span the previous five decades that provides evidence of their unlawful departure from the intent and practice of the Commonwealth Constitution and Crown Authority when in 1973 the Great Seal of the Commonwealth of Australia was destroyed. The authority by which bills of the Parliament were stamped into law and the Queen of Australia was invented in contravention to law as, as to rename Parliament and Government with the purpose to deny the people's authority over the Commonwealth. That's why we're here. We stand here together to deny the pretended authority of the Australian Crown that denies all of us the rights and call upon the administration to make answer to, the, to their records that shows their previous knowledge of operating an unlawful government as chronicled in the 2,000 pages of two reports made by a constitutional committee in 1988 recommending steps be taken to legalise those numerous breaches of law. It is well to note that none of those recommendations were undertaken and it would have revealed the crime set about in 1973 by the Labor government of Gough Whitlam. The one recommendation that was attempted to cover this up was the referendum of 1999 to set about a new beginning by the, by the wise Australian... Sorry, but the wise Australian rejected the move away from their authority. We are here to pay respect to the decision to retain our Commonwealth and all its restoration. And this, we're getting really good here and call out those persons in attendance at the Australian Parliament building that is not our Commonwealth. Let us set about to commission a true Viceroy of Her Majesty for the purpose of restoring our rights in and over the Commonwealth of Australia. To that end, we must widely inform Australians that we have been gained and taken as fools in compliance to government directives that are designed to display our subservience to their rule outside the law. It is time we ask the following question. Why is the government and the Parliament of Canberra failing to comply with the limits imposed by the Constitution and the Commonwealth of Australia? Signed Rodney J. Culleton. <laughs> 